0: Welcome to Power Surge from the Center for Industrial Progress. I'm Alex Epstein in Orange County, joined by Stefan Hann in Germany. Stefan, welcome. Hello, everyone. All right. So we've got to try to cover four stories today. We'll try to get through them pretty quickly, but they're all all important and we missed yesterday. Uh, Let's see. So first thing. Uh, Stefan, what's been happening in Japan with their energy supplies? There's, there's a story or there's been a series of stories about what's happening with their fossil fuel use once they shut down a bunch of nuclear plants post-Fukushima.
1: Um, yes. According to this news story, uh, Japan depended on imported fuels uh, for 88 percent of its electricity in the year 2013. Um, and that compares to only 62 percent in fiscal year 2010. And um, as we know, Japan has little resources of its own. Um, It depends on imports, but that uh, dependency increased after they shut down uh, most, if not all, of their nuclear power plants in 2011.
0: Yeah, I think it's, Japan is, is this is an important example because what you have is you have a country that was at the time openly discussed this as an opportunity to pursue renewable energy. You have a wealthy country, and it's in the last couple of years when all of these technologies are supposedly coming into their own and becoming practical. And and this was a, and and they needed the energy, so this is the the chance to do what we're told is is both possible and necessary, which is to rapidly scale solar, wind, uh, and uh, I don't know, in this case, but biofuels is, is the other popular addition. And yet what happened is, you know, even under these circumstances, they used dramatically more fossil fuel energy. And the this is because of what is just apparent by looking at the state of energy, which is that this is, along with nuclear and, and hydro, by far the best uh, energy technology that exists right now and is far, far superior to the renewables or what I, I like to call unreliables. So this is this is a case study for anyone who says, who listens to someone like Bill McKibben or Al Gore, who says, oh yeah, well, we can do this. We can replace it. Well, that's easy to say. Um, But those who actually are in the position to try it and even want to try it are doing nothing remotely uh, resembling that. And the reason is because those are not, those are not good energy technologies right now. So to to rely on them would be suicidal. So um, there's a lot to criticize Japan's decision to, cut its nuclear power. I think that is a horrible decision, Um, but it it is a good object lesson. All right. Next story. Now, this is is good news. Our friends in Canada have tentatively approved or provisionally approved the Northern Gateway Pipeline. Stefan, tell us about that.
1: Yeah, the project is called Northern Gateway Pipeline, and um, on Tuesday it was preliminary approved by the Canadian government. Um, it still has to um, adhere to 209 conditions um, to be actually approved by the government. Um, but this is essentially the connection between the oil sands uh, in Alberta to the West Coast, where there are export terminals uh, to ship the oil in part to the United States, but mostly to Asia, probably
0: yeah so this is this is definitely good news I mean uh, you know Canada is this this massive potential source of oil and an actual source of oil, uh, but um, just every project to actually transport that oil so it can be useful to people is feverishly opposed. this one has been feverishly opposed and it still will be um, but this is you know, this is a good milestone, but if you notice this whole idea of two hundred and nine conditions and just there's no real right to property or no certainty and you know wish them the best with that but uh the environmentalists the thing with these kinds of conditions are the all kinds of groups can raise objections and then what happens is that the environmental movement will go after everyone they can and just try to get them to object because you know pipeline can be stopped at any point so that's that's the threat and I'd say more, more broadly the threat is just the view of the pipeline um, has not been uh, properly conveyed, I think, by the company or by almost anyone because it's, it's, it's just viewed as, at most, this necessary evil. It's not viewed as, as a positive thing, which it should be. And here's, here's one quote from uh, an article in, in Think Progress. Um, this is, let's see, uh, the name is... Um, I'm looking up in the story. I'm trying to see where the name... <laughs> Comes from, but a uh, Skuse, uh, oh Nikki Scoos campaigner at Forest Ethics, which is one of these opposition groups, and she says this is just this is just such a high risk project that goes through some of the most incredible parts of the world, and for what? To ship unrefined tar sands to get to U.S. and Asian markets, as if so. Listen to that statement, as if, and for what? And you you expect someone to say, oh, so that you know. Um, some billionaire can get a million dollar pedicure or something like that. But no, this is, this is to ship oil. This is, this is, this is the, as I call it, the food of food. This is the, this is the, this is the fuel. This is the calories that fuel all the machines that make modern life possible. So what better reason could, what better for what could there be than,
1: than shipping oil? Stefan, any thoughts? Um, I mean, Pipelines have a lot of um, advantages over other means of transportation, but one of the disadvantages is that um, it has to actually go over some land that someone owns and someone can oppose the project fairly easily. So it will be a target of you know advocacy groups like Greenpeace um, that will try to block it at every mile.
0: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) in general, any industrial project in the age of environmentalism is under threat and becomes unnecessarily costly because you have these groups that are anti development that are supported by government policies that give them an enormous uh, amount of power. So I think pipelines are just one um, example. Well, interestingly, my voice seems to be going, and this leads us to a story about from the American Lung Association, and I'll let Stefan's lungs do the talking.
1: Uh, What's going on there? Yeah, the American Lung Association has launched a TV and digital ad campaign, um, which is aimed to promote the EPA's clean power plan. Um, And they use these uh, little slogans, for example, on their Facebook page, they said, uh, power plant pollution is a serious threat to our health, especially to kids. Uh, check out our new television commercial to see what we are doing to stand up for little lungs versus big polluters. Um, And there's another commercial uh, called Mother's Instinct uh, where they say the Clean Air Act stops polluters from poisoning uh, this baby's air with arsenic, lead, and mercury. Now the loopholes that let them pump unlimited carbon pollution into the air is closing too. And uh, They use this imagery of uh, little babies having a hard time breathing because of all these energy companies pumping pollutants in the air, and they put CO two in the same category as uh, mercury and arsenic and lead, and so on to make it uh, more dramatic. And uh, as we know, I mean, just a comparison between poor countries and a country like the United States. easily reveals that many of these little lungs from these babies wouldn't be breathing if these uh, quote-unquote big polluters weren't around providing a lot of energy to feed our technology.
0: Yeah, and this is, I mean, just putting CO2 in the category, because these other things, you know, you, you can talk about how the concentrations that we're dealing with in the U.S. are not such that they're a risk to people in almost every case, but the CO2 concentration is not remotely a risk, so it's just a complete lie by the American Lung Association to put it in the category of this is a threat to lung. So this is a perfect example of an expert organization completely violating its responsibility to accurately convey the facts. Uh, any further thoughts?
1: No, it just uh, seems like a concerted effort. We've seen President Obama and some White House uh, personnel talk about this uh, carbon pollution thing in the past. And uh, it seems that the newest trend to just call CO2 a pollutant and put it in the same category as some, you know, traditional pollutants, which is it certainly not.
0: Uh all right, well, as everyone can probably tell, my voice is going, so I'm going to cut it short for now. We might do the fourth story uh tomorrow or on some future date, but i'm gonna go take advantage of the fact that I live in fossil fueled civilization to go get some cough drops and feel better um and yeah, thank you quote unquote big polluters for uh for making that uh possible so Stefan, I'll talk to you tomorrow, hopefully. Yeah,
1: thank you. Get better soon. Bye-bye.